This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. Following an alarming spike in accidents involving cold tipper trucks, South African roads have become death traps. With video footage of some of these horrific crashes going viral in recent weeks, we wanted to know what's behind the sudden influx of coal trucks on our roads. We speak to mining and fund management veteran Peter Major. So, Peter, what do we do if the war in Ukraine goes on indefinitely? Look, that war is going to keep coal prices a little higher than they would have been anyways. But with this energy transition to less carbon, the coal prices were going to go up anyways. Before the Ukraine war was even a thought in anybody's head, we had coal prices starting to rise. Banks said we're not going to fund any more coal mines. Big mining companies like Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, um, Billiton, they started making announcements, we're getting out of the coal business. And so this that movement was already going on the last couple of years. So we were already forecasting there's going to be a coal crunch here. Nobody even thought about the Ukrainian war. That's just shot up, up even more. So even if that war ends tomorrow, these prices are going to stay pretty darn high, which means probably double what they would have been. It's actually quite interesting that, you know, we had an industry that is going away from coal and here we are, it's big business again. You know, people don't realize how far we've gone backwards. In 1980, this was NASA mission control. South Africa, the value of its mining companies that were listed was the same value as all the other listed mining companies put together. You know, this one country. And I think we were the number four coal exporter for about 20 years, but we're so far behind. Our mining industry and Australia's mining industry were about the same around 1980. Not the same, they were a little behind us. Their coal industry is now four times bigger than just our whole mining industry. So Australia's really capitalized on coal and we should have been going alongside of them. So, you know, a lot of our viewers also feel that politicians have vested interests in these coal trucks. What's your view on that? Without a doubt, this could never have happened without implicit political pull, leverage, coverage, and financing. You know, those people driving the trucks, those rinky-dink Frankenstein companies that are supposedly coal companies and trucking companies. And I call them Frankenstein because they're made with different pieces, you know. They, they, they get one politician or someone in, in government who gets them a low-interest loan. Then they get another one who's got a contract with a truck supplier. Another one has a contract with a diesel supplier. So these aren't real companies. These are syndicated Frankenstein companies. And yes, the politicians, they're the first ones that dove in and they told Richards Bay Coal Terminal, you're going to give us 20% of your allocation. We're going to allocate it, they literally said, to friends and needy people. You know, they go on TV and the paper, we're giving it to the deserving. They call them the emerging miners, the black diamonds. Those are just front names for the politicians. Nobody could do this without the politicians. You know, there's serious protection and coverage of these truckers and these rinky-dink coal companies that come out of nowhere. They're nameless, faceless, half the time. And how do they get their license granted so quickly when legitimate companies are waiting years and years to get their licenses? You know, this is all political. 
And, and that's why it's going to be so hard to change. And so we can't be surprised when politicians then swim in there and then pretend that there's going to be some sort of action. We've seen this many times before. Unfortunately, we have. What's terrifying is it started 20 years ago and we see it growing and growing and more and more people are dying. More and more people are losing jobs on legitimate mines. They're losing their job on the rail world. They're losing their job on the service industries that used to service the big mines in the railroad. And the few jobs that are being created, it's like drug runners. Those guys at the bottom never make any money. It's just a few guys at the top. So all those truck wrecks and crashes, all those innocent people dying, the country bleeding six, seven billion dollars that they could be making. It's just for some self-serving politicians and, and people in government. You know, there's a lot of henchmen in there that when I said ministries, I meant ministries. So yes, the minister's ultimate responsible, but the people in his ministry, they're there before and after that minister takes effect. And, and he should be weeding them out. You know, we need a minister that says, I'm going to clean this place up. And I have to, if I have to do Lee Iacocca when he took over Chrysler, he fired 24 out of 27 vice presidents. He said, I didn't have time to make friends. If I didn't think a guy was producing, it's better he went somewhere else. And I brought in people I knew and trusted from Ford because we had to get the job done. Chrysler was burning. It was going under 150,000 jobs at stake. We had to save it. So we need somebody that thinks like that. And the U.S. government gave Chrysler a loan. But boy, they held him. They took his assets as collateral. So he was under pressure to deliver. We need some government ministers that are under pressure to deliver. None of them ever seem to be under any pressure. It also seems that they can't be under pressure when they're profiting, allegedly. You're right. And we always hear that's why Cyril can't fire any of them, because they're all in collusion, because they probably got enough on him. But Cyril just has to be bold enough and say, you want to fire me, fire me. You want to shoot me, shoot me. I'm going to do what's right for this country. You know, when I'm in that grave, I want to put this guy did what was good for the country because nobody's going to put that on his tombstone if he dies now. And yeah, th there may be, I hate to say it, but there could be a couple assassinations. We see it lower down when whistleblowers turn in. But that's the problem. It's the poor people that don't have protection at the bottom. You start getting high ranking ministers to say and show, I'm going to get this. They're not going to assassinate somebody high ranking. They'll go find something else to do in another country or another industry. You know, when you speak of these companies being mainly nameless and faceless and how they're able to even get registration so quickly, it also then reminds us of that press conference that the transport minister then placed all the blame of this accident on the driver. Where are the owners of these companies? Pay to leave town. You're right. They put the blame on the truck driver. Who's he driving for? They should investigate. Who are you driving for? And then they should check the coal in his uh, transporter. Because what's going on, they're taking legitimate coal that's supposed to go to Eskom. And they're dumping the legitimate coal somewhere and they're putting in real trashy, low-grade coal. And I think that's why these truck drivers are rushing about. They're doing two jobs at once. They have to hurry up and deliver the good coal somewhere and then get loaded with bad coal and then go back to where they started. It's... It, it, it's just like the taxi industry. Those poor drivers, huh? they're under huge pressure. And that's why they're driving like nuts. When we were in KZN, we, you know, spoke extensively with community members. And what we heard was that these coal truck drivers are incentivized per load. So, I mean, of course, they're going to push themselves as much as they can to make sure that they make more money. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And when I heard that one gentleman comment on TV, I said, without a doubt, just like the taxi drivers. We know they're incentivized slash brutalized if, if they don't make certain quotas. And, and they even tell you that, you know, when I ride the taxi, 
not too often, I, the guys pretty much freely discuss it. And when we say these communities, now coal mining communities were just like farming communities on the previous government. Each of those farming communities had to have silos. They had to have a railroad siding. Previous government didn't want any of these big trucks driving on the road, tearing the roads up. And when you do mining engineering, your first year you have to do a little civil engineering and mechanical. And in our civil engineering, Legitimate big trucks caused 50,000 times the damage of a normal truck or car. 50,000, that's a legitimate truck. These big trucks we've got, they're all 20, 30% higher rated than in the Western world. And they're probably being overloaded another 20%. So our roads, they're not being built to standard. And now they got trucks that are 30, 40%. They're just ripping up billions and billions of dollars of roads that can never be repaired. And yes, all these communities, they should, they had sidings. The sidings were tore up or removed. The previous government didn't want these trucks on the road. And it was very difficult for them to get a license. It was usually for a very short distance for a very specific point of time. We had the best railroad system in the world for transporting our bulk materials. And we could do it again with the right government. Here we sit right now with basically a broken railway um, and we still have this demand for coal. What do we do? Because we can't continue with these trucks on the road, yet we don't have a rail network system. Man, Masa, we are in a real bind here because Transnet, I think, only moved 52 million tons last year. And they should be moving 74, 75 million and so the truckers will say, well, we have to move it by truck, but they only move a couple million tons. You know, all that carnage is just making tiny money in the bigger scheme. Yeah. So they can never move the kind of coal that Transnet did. We have to fix Transnet, period. And we have to fix Eskom. And fixing Eskom means Eskom's got to hurry up and get those conveyor belts built and get that railroad that they had built. They had multiple little railroads. Eskom's got to get off this trucking addiction. And they didn't want to get into it. They were forced into it by government. And then government put in all the people like Gupta Stooges. But Eskom's got to get off trucked coal and get back to conveyor belts and railroads. But they probably don't have the money to build that. But maybe government's got to just give them the money, take it out of some other division of government that's, that we don't need or isn't producing. And, and, and the same with the railroad. They've got to get proper people in Transnet to get it back to 75,000 tons because the current people they have there, even if they meant well, and I'm not sure they do, but even if they meant well, it's way beyond their capability. You know, these are two giant organizations, Transnet and Eskom. Jeez, they will tax the top people in the world that done that for 20, 30 years. And that's who we used to have running it. We had top world-class people who'd been in there 20, 30 years, and boy, they got there on meritocracy. So none of that's been happening now. And they're both deteriorating. DeRoyter says he can't hold it together much longer. He says, all those big plants are wore out. There's not enough money. All he can do is hold it together long enough for us to privatize and get alternative energy. We had our transport minister who visited Pongola saying that one of the plans is to extend the lanes and make sure that they six lanes as opposed to two. I mean, is that even a solution for the problem we're facing right now? No, all that does is keep them in the money. All these behind the scenes people, and we know the majority are probably government one way or another, they're in government. It's keeping them in the pound seats. Those things have to be stopped. You don't add more lanes to a railroad. You got to stop. You just have to stop tra transport. Railroads are so much more efficient. That's why we've been building railroads for 200 years. They're safer. They're cheaper. You know, trucking 
if you look at the prices the manganese and iron ore people pay to truck, they're paying insane prices, double what they pay on a railroad, but it's because the metal commodity price is so high. We are just so missing out. This is a commodity boom like the world has never seen in its existence. Not in 10,000 years have we had a commodity boom like the last 20. And we are just losing out left and right because we're letting syndicates and crooked politicians determine how we mine and how we move our minerals. You know, um, speaking to the grandfather of the three deceased children from that crash, He said something that really touched me, Peter. He said, you know, the truth is my grandkids died on that road and I'm most likely going to die on that road too. That just tells you how little faith community members have in this government. I really think this government loves bragging. When I talk to them in person, they love bragging how they got their training during the, the freedom fighting years in Russia. And you know what? To me, they really mimic everything I see about Russia, a heartless cold administration that cares nothing for their people. And Russia has a history of, they call it throwing their men into the meat grinder. Unnecessarily. And we see Putin doing that in Ukraine. And and I, I just look at our government, they're the same way. They, they feel nothing for the people of this country. Just have all those trucks killing those people, making those roads unsafe. And you know, all these coal mining communities that I've been to, they used to be clean because The mine was off in the distance and there was a conveyor belt or a railroad. So it was miles away, kilometers away from the town usually so that they didn't get all the coal dust. Look, they, they still did some, but now you've got these trucks going through the middle of these little towns. And without a doubt, these trucks are killing more people in two weeks, three weeks max than our whole mining history ever kills in a year. And our mining history is 480,000 people. And you'll see, maybe in a, a bad year, our mining industry has had 60, 65 fatalities. Jeez, we're killing 35, 40 people on our highways every day. And yet, you'll see all these ministers saying, one man dead in the underground is too much. We're going to shut down the mining companies. We're going to get them in the docket. They must go to prison. It is so ludicrous. I mean, the foreigners don't even laugh at us anymore. They don't even want to talk about South Africa. They just think it's it's a lost cause. You're breaking my heart. But thank you so much for joining us. I could go on forever just listening to your insights. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You bet. <laughs> This can be fixed quick. Just somebody with the gumption to do it. Whether you're stuck in traffic, preparing dinner, or simply chilling on the couch, we'd love to keep you company with Carte Blanche, the podcast. You can find all the latest episodes, weekdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you access your favorite shows. Join us for some unique stories as we make sense of the headlines.